trying to recover a loose puck on the boards and has. Works out of the corner, a pass in front, scores! Matthews will get credit for it! It goes in off a Dallas player, but the Leafs are three for three on the power play. Left-handed shot, top of the circle, in with a deke and a shot, and he scores! And the second goal of the game for Dadanov has tied the game at three. Matthews with it again, high slot. Down into the corner now for Marner. Closing score! Holy Mackinac, what a goal! The Leafs regain the lead. And the big four are certainly in business tonight. Stars with it as they make one last futile rush. Shoot it in over the line, off a stick, and that's going to be it. Yeah, I mean, that's a really, really good team on the other side. And, um, and I think just sticking with it throughout the whole game. And I mean, there's going to be momentum swings. And uh, I thought special teams played a big, pretty big play uh, into the game tonight. So it was obviously good to see us uh, make good on some of those opportunities. Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 5.9 of the fan. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Core 4 doing damage against the Dallas Stars on a 5-4 regulation win. Shout out to Tyler Bertuzzi with the assist and also Matthew Nyes with the assist. Those are the only other forwards outside hey, of the Core in. 4 with, with, with points. Morgan Riley also had an assist, but he's like he's Core 5-ish. Core five yeah. yeah, and the Stars are a good team, no doubt, despite the fact that they are... Zero points in the two games that they played against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Scott Wedgwood starting both of those games. Yada, uh-huh. yada, yada. Whatever. Yeah, Wedgwood's good. He was much better in the last outing yes. they had than this one. That was game seven of the regular season. A 4-1 victory for the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, Dallas Stars are good. Lead the Central they Division. They have one fewer regulation loss than the Maple Leafs. So only oh. have 15. Oh. Like we, we just we we just gloss over that. It's like, oh, they have no regulation wins. They're tied for the second fewest regulation losses in the Eastern Conference, Brent. Every game is tight. They have a chance almost always. They rarely, rarely lay an egg. Even well, I shouldn't I shouldn't say that. They do occasionally lay an egg, but then they they get up, they waddle around, they do some chicken strutting, and then they get themselves back in the game. Weird. And then maybe they they win, maybe they don't. But generally speaking, it's a it's a tighter game. Like this is what this team does, even when they do not have their best. You just can't stop with the chicken metaphor. No. <laughs> I'm thinking like, yeah, Austin Matthews like laying a physical egg. Yeah. Like I've never when I I've used that expression, I've never yeah. really put Thought my mind way. in a huh? place for. It's- what the expression means, I think. I see that's you think interesting. It's like cracking an egg is what no, you think. No, I would think like an egg is a zero, like laying mm. an egg, putting a zero okay. forth. All right. You actually think it has to do with chickens. I guess it's, it's how I picture it. I don't like, I'm not professing to be right. Mm. I'm just telling you what goes on in this crooked head okay. of mine. Okay. Well, now I won't be able to get that out of my head. So, cluck, uh, cluck. <laughs> Leafs now back into a top three spot in the Atlantic division, and it is. And now you're doing the shoulder thing. Yeah. Um, they're, they're back into their matchup with 30 plus games to go in the regular season, but, uh, first round matchup against the Florida Panthers, so much still to play out, mm-hmm. but as is my want, I yeah, do some, love it. I do some projecting. I love schedules. You love standings. I do. And I love, well, this is actually a schedule thing I'm about to say. Mm. You know who the Leafs play in game 82 of the season? Ooh, I did know this. I feel like it's going to be the Panthers based on what you're setting no. me up here for. No? No. Oh. It's the Lightning. Yeah, of course it is. Of course it's the Lightning. And we had like a little brief discussion about this earlier on, but I think at this point you would take the Rangers over the Panthers 
as your first round opponent. The Lightning, after dropping out of the top three in the Atlantic, are in that top wild card position. And this could change too between yeah. the Bruins and the Rangers, right? Being mm-hmm. the top team in the Eastern Conference. But as currently constructed, it would be the Red Wings playing the Bruins and the Lightning playing the Rangers. What are you going to game 82 with your playoff fate to be decided over that 60-minute hockey game? I don't know. I don't know if you can game the system, and I don't know if you want to get. And it's like six of one, half dozen the other, right? Like, there's not going to be a massive no. discrepancy between the two teams. But it is interesting that you saw what it looked like mm-hmm. against the Panthers, and it didn't go so well. And they made it all the way to a cup final. Yep. And despite the fact that, what, they've only played the Rangers twice this season and mm-hmm. split the two games. First game, they looked pretty good. And yep. like in both games, they looked. And also, they've also beaten the Panthers this season, too. So there's that. But mm-hmm. there is proof of concept in the postseason that those two teams look on, like they're on different levels. And there's a physicality to that Panthers team that makes them a little scarier when it gets to the postseason. I just, I put myself in the scenario of mm-hmm. going into game 82 where. Well, but who do you put yourself in the shoes of? Like, do you put yourself in the shoes of Austin Matthews? Do you put yourself <sighs> in the shoes of Sheldon Keefe? Well, Brad Living? No, you can't do it. This is, I mean, this is this this the discussion we have about tanking in all yeah. sports. Players don't tank. Yeah. Head coaches don't tank. This would be a prior to the game. Hey, it's game eighty-two. Everybody's I mean, coming out of the lineup. Needs a rest. Yeah, salary cap is uh, irrelevant at this point. We're past the deadline, and we can just rest everybody, play our scrubs, or even if they they do dress in this game, there's some edict. Hey. Austin Matthews not playing more than Mm -hmm. 13 minutes in this hockey game. You could game the system in that way, and it doesn't guarantee you lose. And, Mm -hmm. hey, maybe the Lightning do the same thing. Maybe it's like a race to the bottom in this game. But do you think the Maple Leafs would take their fate in their own hands? Do you think that they would prefer to play the Rangers than the Panthers? I think they would prefer it. I I do think that. Uh, Having said that, I must throw the caveat in that it really just depends on how Shesterkin or Bobrovsky look heading into the playoffs. Like, I agree with everything you said about the two teams there, but if Shesterkin looks terrifying, you want no parts of that. And if Bobrovsky looks terrifying, you absolutely want no parts of that. I am a believer in all sports that the second you try to engineer where you should go, mm-hmm. it's all time bad luck, bad oh, karma, yeah. bad it's juju. Sporting There's gods hate they that. Hate it, hate it, hate it. And they hate the Leafs enough as is. They don't need any reason to give them more to hate them. So yeah, I, I totally understand what you're saying. I think it's an interesting thought exercise, but teams cannot get themselves to that place. It's just a kiss of death. Never, ever works. Uh, it is the fan morning show, sports on five, nine in the fan. Usually later on in the afternoon on Sportsnet 590 The Fan, you can find Real Kipper and Bourne, although not today, as we have extended coverage of the NBA's trade deadline. Raptor show, 1 to 4 p.m., fan pregame, 4 to 7. And I, I said the NBA trade deadline was 4 o'clock. That's wrong. It's You're a liar. 3 yeah. o'clock. Uh, glued to his television and radio will be Nick Kiprios of Real Kipper and Bourne, who joins us on the line right now. How's it going, Kipper? Good morning, guys. Yeah, I'll, I'll be glued for sure. I was I was crestfallen when I heard you guys were were off the air today. Azo came in. He's like, "Hey, just make sure you don't pub it. You get, you know, I love I love the pod and I love the show. Oh. So like, I'm happy for you that you get a day off. But like, what am I supposed to do now, Kipper? Well, I'll tell you how aware I was. <laughs> I, I I ended the show saying, "Hey, and we'll be back tomorrow." <laughs> Wrong. And, and and we're not. And uh, I, I briefly remember someone telling me that uh, we'd be off today last week. And uh, and I'm like, darn, I forgot. 
Mm. <laughs> well, this is oh, a, I would, a reminder. I would have been heading heading south right now. It's a great. It's a great if surprise I, if I remembered. Yeah. <laughs> you do some grocery shopping or whatever. <laughs> um, so Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner lead the Maple Leafs forwards in ice time again yesterday. Uh, your latest on the Toronto Star talks about the the fact that there's you know still thirty plus games to go, and boy, this team. As expected, relies on its core four to score. And yesterday, a great example of that. But th- they thought they'd be getting something out of the, you know, one guy's making five and a half million, another guy's making two. They thought they would get something out of Tyler Bertuzzi and Max Domi in the goals column department. And, and maybe that's coming in the postseason, but so far it hasn't happened. Well, what's the risk here when it comes to the Maple Leafs' reliance on their core four forwards? Well, probably burnout more than anything. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a it's taxing, you know. Um, excuse the pun, you know, on John Tavares <laughs> on that one. Oh yeah, we should talk about that. You would have but, great insight, I'd imagine. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, they 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 go into the playoffs feeling a, a tremendous amount of stress of having to deliver yet again, and we know what happens in the playoffs. The the checking gets tighter. The assignments uh, get more. Uh, detailed and shut down those guys or find a way to take away their time and space. And there's little around them that will uh, pick up the slack. And that that's the danger in a nutshell. And I think Monday proved that. Uh, and we heard from Sheldon Keefe talk about uh, overextending these guys, uh, especially on that one power play that led to the, the breakaway goal by McLean against the Islanders. Last night, I think it was at least a little better where we saw Max Domi get up towards 16 minutes, and usually he's around 10 or 11. So that might be a, a better uh, a better sign. Uh, Bertuzzi, over 18 minutes uh, last night, but there's, there's, they're going to have to find a way to get these guys going. I like the fact that uh, Willie Nylander was able to put three points up under 19 minutes. Tavares a little over 16. So you just can't run these guys through the grind uh, for 30-plus for games to go. Uh, there'll be nothing left of them. But, no. Uh, last night was a, another example where if they don't get it done, nobody will. Yeah, ideally you got 20-some-odd playoff games to to run them into the ground once uh, once once the spring rolls around. You know, you mentioned in that piece the idea of Matthews. It's it's not just the time on ice numbers, but it's the length, uh, length of the shift there. I mean, obviously, ultimately, that falls on the player's shoulders. I mean, Keefe isn't going to get out a lasso and literally pull him off the ice, but how much of that goes to coaching? I mean, you know, the conversation about a new voice there seems to have cooled off, in my opinion, rightfully so, but how much of that just goes to coaching, or does that accountability have to come from the core four themselves and kind of holding each other to, to the right kind of shift length there. <laughs> okay. First of all, Gunner, in my, in my era, they did use a lasso. Okay. Like I, I've, I have seen coaches like reach over the board, that and, hook from the Apollo, like get get out of here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and grab you and get, get off the ice. That's enough. <laughs> and I think we've seen Sheldon on occasion, uh, give it to the guys, but yeah, it's, it's a combination here. They've got to be aware uh, that there's there's guys on the bench and the danger right now is just you know you you want your team coming together you want them feeling like they're a part of it you can't have uh, six eight guys on the bench mm. act like cheerleaders every night while they watch you guys go out there and 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 scoop up two minute shifts or 
two-minute power plays. It just, it's not a good feeling. You want to be able to sit there and say, hey, I've got your back, Austin. If it's, if you're not feeling it in the first minute, you know, come off the ice and and we can get this thing going for you. And that's that's the feeling that you want in April, that you got 20 guys going, not four or five. And and that's the challenge for, for Sheldon. And uh, he knows it. There's no question that he knows it. Uh, but at times, I think, especially the Leafs, a lot of time this year, guys, chasing the clock, right? Yeah. And when you chase the clock, they're, they're, you get a little insecure that uh, that you may lose the game if you don't get your big boys out there to, uh, to save the day. And I think Sheldon gets caught there uh, a lot. And uh, again, a leads would be easier. Uh, a fourth line like last night, where they're they're physical. Yeah, they were good. They they give you great energy, and I thought the fourth line was uh, really good last night, which was fantastic. We saw the emotion of McCabe, uh, and now you're in a situation where where you're feeling more your bench uh, physically, mentally, and emotionally involved in the hockey game. So uh, another good sign. Yeah, it's it's a tough spot though too, right? Like the, this this Leafs team needs every two points that it can get in a in a given night, and we've seen. Listen, it, it hasn't all been disappointing for some of those depth players, but it, at times it's it's been yeah, the like the Domi uh, line has been hemmed into their own zone on occasion. Like we we've seen those guys not look like they're capable of uh, of doing the things that you would hope that they were capable of doing. I wonder if. You think that Sheldon Keefe, despite the fact that they need these wins, like should almost like who who even cares like how they're performing on a given night? Like just like almost force feed them some of the minutes to 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 maybe build some confidence or or build some reps in some of the depth players. Yeah, I I think you're right, uh, Ben. That you have to now uh, absolutely be forced uh, to keep those guys out there in key situations, and you gotta have enough confidence where. At the end of 82 games, you're going to have enough points. And um, you start hearing more and more about doesn't matter if you're in the top three now uh, in the Atlantic. And a wild card would maybe put us in a position where uh, maybe we cross over to the Metro. Maybe it's the Rangers we start out in the first round. Maybe, uh, I don't know, maybe Boston might even be a better matchup than, say, Florida in the first round it doesn't matter where we start uh and maybe there'll be that psychological edge of of coming in as a as a bit of an underdog but you got to have the confidence that uh that you're going to stick out your 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 secondary players out there and put them in a position to succeed and 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 test them really test them i, I don't think we saw enough of it in the first half of the season and uh there is some time to to build trust uh, with some of the likes of of a Max Domi in a, in a checking role here. That's exactly the guy I was thinking of when you're when you're talking about that, right? Because you know Bertuzzi, we talk about it, and he doesn't get the power play time that those other guys do, but he still gets to play with them. <laughs> and Nyes gets to do the same at five on five more often than not. And for Domi, you would just like to see there be a little bit more of a role for him, because again, like we know he can do it. He just went to a conference final with that team that we think of as a deep physical team, and there's no reason that you can't find a role for him. 
in, in that regard. Um, just want to ask you about Tavares. Uh, he, he, he gets on the score sheet again last night, uh, makes a great play to set Nylander up uh, for for his goal. Now, I know it's not a Tavares goal, but the point did come at, at five on five there. How much do you yes. look at that line and say, all right, you like what you're seeing, but you also need to see the puck go in the net at five first five, or five on five for Tavares specifically? Yeah, and I think, again, the, the power play saved the day uh, with, with three goals. Boy, did alone, uh, Enough to get the job done. But we do know that uh, those become a little more rare uh, in the playoffs, and they're just going to have to find a way to fight through the five-on-five. Five. Uh, I didn't think Matthews particularly had a good start to the game and was a little quiet, and everything seemed to be a little quiet for me at five-on-five. Five. And no question... These guys are skilled guys, but they need room out there. And the power play does provide room for them to get their their looks. And, um, you know, at times it's been frustrating to watch the power play, but, you know, still a top 10 power play. And when you've got four of the, the, the top 10 best paid players in the world, you should produce on a power play. But five on five is going to be their challenge and it's going to be Tavares's challenge moving forward. I don't think he's had a five on five goal mm. uh, since early December. It was before the Oilers lost a game other than last night. That's how yeah, long that, it was. It's a long time. It is a long time. And you know, in five on five, uh, there's not that much room out there. And mm. as the season progresses and you get in the playoffs, there's really not a lot of room. So that that'll be the, the challenge and, and, whether or not the Leafs can find even nights where they can give them a night off um, and and keep them a little fresh. Last night, uh, uh, Ryan Suter and and Mark Giordano uh, closing in on forty years of age. Mm. Even Pavelski, I mean, I, like Pavelski's fantastic uh, out of the three of them. Um, but you know, father time does catch up to these guys, and uh, rest is going to be important. And uh, I, it looks like it was a good thing for Tavares, uh, the break. But between now and, and the playoffs, you're going to have to find a way to get these, get him and Gio a lot more nights when they don't feel, again, uh, the pressure or, uh, or the physical pressure of the, the grind. See, I think media is like the opposite. I, I, I think, you know, you, I, I feel like I'm aging like fine wine. Kipper, I, and like I know from an outsider's perspective, it feels like the same with you. Like it feels like you're getting better. Yeah, I, my 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 bottle might have been spoiled I think, before before the cork opened up. <laughs> Disagree. Um, all right, so we're we're headed to it's trade season, right? Like that, everybody seems to be open for business. As we've seen, the top two centers uh, fly off the market and. I guess the Flames are very much open for business, and I guess it depends on what they do with Noah Hannafin and and whether he decides that they're going to re-engage in their extension talks or whether they're going to look to move him as well as Chris Tanev, who's been um, associated with the Toronto Maple Leafs because of the obvious local tie-in there and the fact that he's a right-handed defenseman, he's a free agent. You could see a world in which he re-signs and the Leafs backfill some of their blue line holes next season. Could could the Leafs, in a in a world with limitless possibilities, swing a Tanev and Hannafin deal? Could they do the, the combo they were trying to do with Zadorov? Get a couple of Flames defensemen. Well that would now now we're talking uh, a a Cliff Fletcher, Doug Gilmore. <laughs> I don't know how many guys were involved in that trade, but uh it would have to be a much bigger 
piece, I think, for the Leafs to kind of pull that off where uh, number one is those both those guys need contracts to again be in a rental position for the Leafs doesn't make any sense. So there'd have to be extensions involved and there'd have to be uh, um, more bodies involved for, for me anyways, for, for a deal like that to happen. They cannot just be in the rental business for me. I, I, I would hope that if Brad tree living was working on anything, he'd, he'd find a way to deal for guys that are already under contract but, but they'll are, have the money, right? Like, they, they, lots of money coming off the books. Cap's going up next season. They could extend both guys if they wanted to. Uh, Tavares is still on. It, yeah. It's, yeah. The, the, I'm, I'm not so worried about the money except the, the assets that it will take to mm. get them. That's the, the challenge here. And there, there's no question that it would be uh, – multiple first rounds they don't have a second Mm -hmm. so they'd have to give up at least two first rounds or or uh one of their top prospects in in cowan uh and i they can't go there i I don't think they're in a position to go there so i i'm leaning towards maybe if they're going to make a trade they're going to make it for for an rfa or a guy that they can control in the next few years and that's the only way they're going to kind of shake up this this lineup. I, I don't see that typical UFA list coming into play here for the Toronto Maple Leafs. So we'll, we'll see what happens, but they cannot do nothing. And I know people are saying, okay, buy, sell, or stand pat. Mm-hmm. Stand pat is not an option for the Leafs. Not when you have Matthews, Marner, Nylander, Morgan Riley in the prime of their careers. You cannot burn this spring based on the fact that you think you may not feel it this year. No, no, you can't. Um, last one for me, Kipper. Uh, you mentioned Hannafin there, and we can make this about the Leafs if you want, but I, I think a lot of people have this question is, what is he? Like, you know, he's part of a really nice, stout Calgary decor, but if the Leafs yeah. make a trade for Noah Hannafin, guess what I bet we're still saying after the playoffs is, uh, you know what they need? They need a number one defenseman. Like, I don't think he's that guy. Where on a good yeah. team does Hannafin kind of slot in? Like, I, I think we're all aware of the player, but I think it's yeah. something that, that, again, because that Calgary blue line is just so loaded, I, I don't think people are wholly certain where he'd fit in on most teams. Well, well the thought is that, Calgary has a, a a contract offer in the ballpark of a Morgan Riley deal, and that's around seven and a half million dollars. So he's young enough where he can ask for eight years. So yeah, uh, he he may be in a situation where he could be turning down as much as sixty million dollars uh, right now on the table. Uh, I, I don't think we'll ever speak uh, Gunner of uh, uh, of of Hannafin in the race for a Norris Trophy, uh, but. You know, Morgan Riley doesn't seem to be the player that will will get there either. Doesn't mean that they're they're not incredibly serviceable, and doesn't mean that Morgan Riley isn't an important person uh, for the Toronto Maple Leafs. He is, uh, but he's just one of those guys on the outside looking in when we're talking about Hedman, uh, Makar, um, and those type of uh, defensemen. So, you know, whether or not the Leafs truly need a, a Hannafin to come in, I don't like the fact that uh, he's not a, a right-handed shot. Mm. Uh, Brett Brett Pesci mm-hmm. in, in, in mm. uh, Carolina is another guy in a similar situation as Hannafin, and I would be more apt to, to look at uh, Pesci as a right-handed shot uh, this summer 
if the Leafs were thinking about that type of player. Again, I don't think we'll ever talk about Brett Pesce being in the running for for Norris, but these guys munch a lot of minutes, and they're going to do it for the next five, seven years, and uh, they're hard to find. They may not be quality number one guys like you just mentioned, uh, but they are so important to hockey clubs. And uh, if if Calgary and, and and Carolina don't sign their respective players, they got to go out and replace them. And that's not easy in itself. Mm-hmm. Gipper, this is great as always. Enjoy yeah. your day off. Um, and, and tell McKee to quit wearing that Knights bucket on your show. Leafs show. Come on. Tell him to get that thing off. Oh, well, listen, he's just doing it to piss off the rest of the country that's all you know that he does love to tweak uh, right. you're right and he is our number one uh, uh booster club member of the Toronto Maple Leafs so <laughs> we that can't forget true. that no we would never uh Nick thanks buddy have a great day everybody you too Nick Kiprios real Kipper and born off today because of the NBA trade deadline I'm old enough to remember when we were told mm. left hand shot right hand shot doesn't really matter like Jake Muzzin he can play on the right side yeah. Like within days, we're like, oh, that's not really true. Like it can be done. <laughs> it's just hard. Yeah. Just way harder. Yeah. TJ like, Brody has done it really, really well. I guess it's harder to do as you age. And, yeah. and like, you know, yeah. you know, Jake McCabe's doing his darndest. Yeah. And good for you. Jake it also McCabe helps when you don't want it. Well, it also helps that you don't want to handle the puck. Like when you're a guy like Jake McCabe, he's like, right. hmm, I mean, if you want to give me a ringette stick, that's fine. I don't <laughs> need the blade. Right. And like, you know, I like McCabe. I, I actually think I like him the most of, of anybody who talks about this team on a regular basis, but it is a little easier when you're not exactly expected to be snapping clean breakouts uh, mm. left, left, right, and center. Yeah, it's hard. Are you right-handed out there listening? Yes. Go try to do stuff with your left hand. Mm. Tell me how easy it is. It's not. Wait a second. Well, hold on. That's not what we're asking to do. But it's not what we're asking people well, you're to do. you're basically playing the game on your backhand yeah. the whole time. Yeah. It's your non-dominant but hand. But, I, like, I, I, yeah. can, I can handle the puck on my backhand. I can't do anything with my left hand, though. Well, and no, I'm right-handed. Yeah, I, I get that. I'm just saying the drop-off that you experience. I think that it's something, to your point, that people go, oh, yeah, it's okay. No, it's, it's what it is. But mm-hmm. you go do your whole life with My your non-dominant hand. something. Yeah. Hey, look, wasn't right about everything, okay? Certainly not. Right, right about a lot. Yep. Uh, would kill for a start-on-time speech mm-hmm. right now. Would I don't you, think those guys would, would, take, you, would, would take it that well, though. Yeah, would you sacrifice the... You know, the security you have with your cell phone? Oh. <laughs> you can look at it, sure. That's fine. Yeah, I figured you're one of those guys that you got no secrets in there. No, it's like you want a thousand pictures of my kid and some texts that are not that kind of Brad you're living. It's like, no, that's about all that's in there. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'll be checking out your phone in the break. All okay, right, we come I'll back, check out yours. That's fine. A lot of golf pictures yes, for both of us. No doubt. Uh, when we come back, NBA trade deadline today. Talk to Michael Grange. As the Fan Morning Show continues, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Big guests and bigger opinions on everything happening in Leafsland. Real Kipper and Born. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590, The Fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. Three o'clock this afternoon is the NBA's trade deadline. Not four. Yeah, moves are a-coming. Hey, Masai Ujiri said as much, right? After we, the Pascal we, Siakam trade, before. yeah. After the well, I don't think he said explicitly what he said after the Pascal Siakam trade, where it was like, "Hey, is there more coming?" So you better believe it. I mean, it's paraphrasing, but yeah, essentially that's what he said. 
Also, the Raptors won a basketball game against the Charlotte Hornets yesterday. Congrats to them. Which is, uh, Michael Grange had the, the pleasure of, of watching that thing. Uh, it's been an interesting it road trip pleasure. For, for Grange. Sportsnet's own joins us now. How's it going, Michael? It's going well, gentlemen. How are we doing? Doing well. What was the deal with your, your drive from New Orleans? <laughs> what, or to it New Orleans? Drive. It was, uh, I was flying from Oklahoma City to New Orleans through Austin, mm-hmm. and my flight was badly delayed out of Oklahoma City, and so I had to so I flew to Austin, then I had to flew to Dallas, oh. and then eventually I got I got to uh, I got to New Orleans in time. I got there by the end of the first quarter. It was <laughs> so the the Air Kareen who was on with me this whole yes. trip. Okay, so that's, I was confused. Noted. Yes. That uh, my it, if I had driven, it would have taken me ten hours and thirty minutes instead. <laughs> it took me fifteen hours to fly. Yeah. Yeah, it's not all that glamorous, all right? Covering a, I, a I got more stories. Seat. I got more stories. <laughs> a few weeks ago, you ran out of coffee at your hotel. I saw you tweeting oh, about that, that as nightmare. well. You've had just a rough a go of it, Grange. Was, yeah. I'm, I'm sitting here looking though. at the three thermoses I bring of coffee for every show, just thinking how crestfallen I would be if I were you with no coffee at <laughs> my disposal. Mare stuff. All right. So hopefully uh, the Raptors don't consummate all those trades while you're in the air coming back to Toronto today. Um, but yeah. They won't. Okay. <laughs> wow. wow. That's good. Nope. Iron <laughs> fist. Two forty-five. Right. Or later. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> right. I, I'm just gonna not talk about the game yesterday. Is uh, anything you want to say? No. I, I. We have to ask about Coach Darko yelling at the team so much that everyone in the building could hear it because there were nine people there. What was that like? Yes. It was well. It was wild, right? Because I mean, Charlotte uh, is, a, I guess, a central sports market. When they have a ten-win team, they don't go to the games. And so, uh, and especially when you're playing a 17-win team. Yeah. So the building was, like, empty. Like, I, I haven't quite, and I was, there was, like, 11,000 people there listed. I'm sure it was much less than that, and a good chunk of them were Raptors fans, which I'm like, what? This is the game you came to? Anyway, <laughs> um, and so the building's kind of dead. I actually, you know, I still pump in the stupid noise, so I, I actually had headphones on, and... Um, and I could still hear Darko yelling. <laughs> so, so I took I took my headphones off. I couldn't hear exactly what he was saying, but uh, but yeah. But you know, I think the only relevant point is is that his team, subsequent to that, really responded and mm-hmm. played. Uh, I thought a really good fourth quarter after a pretty terrible game. So it's always a little bit. I think it's always an interesting thing to note when a coach does light his group up. Do they, you know, do they kind of flip them the bird and? You know, show them up, or do they actually kind of respond and and uh, and play well? And they certainly did. Yeah, it was it's nice to see. And you know, I don't want to belabor last night's game too much, but do you think that's a? I don't want to make too much of this that it's like a different Darko, but the job he was doing coaching a team of Pascal Siakam and OGN and OB on it is one thing, and the job he's doing coaching this team that he has now is a. You know, I don't want to say it's completely different, but it's certainly a slightly different one do you think that it's a you know him realizing that this is the group of guys that are going to be here for the foreseeable future and you know maybe i can't take such a uh, you know pats on the back and orange slices kind of mentality like do you think there's some element of him realizing he needs to ramp the ramp up expectations or pressure with now that this is the team and i understand there are trades to come today potentially not until you're you're out of the bird we know that much but what do you make of the fact that this is now happening after they've made the trades that we all kind of expected them to I, I wouldn't necessarily draw that line. I just okay. think that, that um, 
you know, I think this you're coming off a game against New Orleans where for, it was a schedule loss. Like, you knew you took the second night back-to-back after the Oklahoma City double overtime. They weren't going to win that game, but they really, like, didn't really try to win the game very hard. So mm. I, think he's, I think he's really guarding against – and you, do, you are right. You have a young team. You've got, you know, your Grady Dix, your R.J. Barrett, your Manuel Cookley's. And, you know, these guys need to – he needs to make sure that he expects um, a level of effort – that is commensurate with the job, which is being a professional basketball player. And so if, uh, to, I think, you know, he saw that slip at times on this trip for under, understandably, but I don't think uh, against Charlotte Hornets, it's, you know, it can be really tolerated. So, you know, like I said, the team got the message and, and for a quarter at least played some pretty decent basketball. Yep, and, and Grady Dick is a thing too, so that's that's good. He's he's really uh, changed the narrative on his rookie season. So, deadline today, and the the Raptors have some movable pieces here. Obviously, um, Bruce Brown, the most notable guy, although he can't be combined with any other player because he was just acquired from the Pacers. Dennis Schroeder, he's under contract for next season as well. Gary Trent Jr., he's a pending free agent. Chris Boucher has money on his deal next season. Of those four, how many of them do you think move today? I'm going to say two. I think two. Um, I think Bruce Brown is most likely to move just, you know, for all the reasons that are pretty much out there, right? Like he's a guy that, you know, a a team that's got some ambitions this year can acquire uh, without having to, you know, it's not going to be an exorbitant price or anything like that. And and then, you know, the the neat thing or interesting element is, is his contract has the flexibility of you can just, uh, decline a team option and so he's not on your books and he's a rental um, or you can uh, renegotiate a new deal with him with his bird rights and um, you know kind of come to a longer term agreement if he really fits or you can take that you know you can pick up the team option and they need a 20 million dollar 23 million dollar uh, salary chunk that you can you know throw into a deal to get another big player which is I think the team you know so that's why you're seeing him attached to the Knicks because they he fits a lot of boxes for them um you know I think Philly would be an interesting one and then you know uh, I think uh, all those reasons fit for Utah as well which is why uh, you're kind of hearing those teams I I get that and obviously if they can get their price for Brown I imagine he moves but do you think it's the end of the world if he doesn't I mean I I've been spitballing at least in my my own brain and well Ben's had to hear it in the breaks uh, today and now you get two Grange is that the idea of what if the Raptors don't get the price they want on Brown and they just hold him pick up the option you then can attach draft picks to that and all of a sudden you're able to bring in a 20 million dollar player like if we believe Masai Ujiri and the idea of never really tearing it down never truly kind of bottoming out is that not a route that would be kind of you know attractive to him and again that's if he doesn't get the price he wants today no absolutely all those things that I just kind of cited as to why he you know another team might be interested fit here too other than you know, he's not immediately valuable to what Toronto's trying to do this season. So, um, yeah, uh, you know, you could you could just keep it rolling and then you come around the draft, you know, around uh, the draft and you have a player who's, again, a very flexible contract still at that point. And you're right, he could be a, a vehicle, I hate to put it that way, that, that could help you um, acquire a, a longer-term piece in a trade. So, 
Um, I don't. This is not a situation where they're like, we have to get this guy out of our locker room. I mean, he's a great dude. He's not, you know, I'm, from everything I know and have heard, he's not like, get me out of here. I think he's he's been he's been moved around enough the last couple of years. So I think if he ends up finishing the season here, it wouldn't be the end of the world. Um, but you know, I think there's teams out there that uh, uh, could really use him and and could use him now, and that's why you might get a little bit of a, a bump for him. So the Raptors may at this moment already have three first-round picks in this upcoming draft, uh, the one that they hate so much, and th- there might be more coming at the deadline. Like, how, how does that impact things? That the, Well, one, we, we know this, this draft class is not all that strong. They've indicated that to us. But now also, like, they are leveraged into this draft. Like, how does that change the value of, of potential first-round picks that, that could be on the table at this deadline? Yeah, I don't think they want any more first-round picks. Uh, in this draft, like a, uh, they're guaranteed to have three, depending on how they finish this season. You know, they could have four if they keep their own, and they've got the what will be the first pick in the second round. So that's five picks in a, in a draft, as you point out, is pretty much agreed on to be average to below average at best, and um, that's plenty. <laughs> so, so, uh, so I think um, you know. So that's an, what's really interesting. For example. You know, you take New York, who's, you know, I've heard conflicting things. I definitely have heard that, that they've been kicking around and have kicked around. But, you know, just talking to somebody last night saying, mm, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe they're kind of stepping back from that. We don't know. Um, but, you know, they're an interesting fit because the contract is very important to them because they still want to be able to hunt for a star in the off season. So they want to, you know, a, a, a big, a big contract they can put into a deal. Um, they also have a lot of – they have all their own picks, but they also have quite a few. Um, I think they have picks from Dallas, Detroit, and there's one other one I'm forgetting off the top of my head that they could throw into a deal. But but if the Raptors were willing to accept the 2024 pick, I think this deal would be done already. Um, the Raptors, for, you know, they want to they wanna future pick. They want to sort of start spreading some of these assets out and um, – you know, and that's where it's really sticking because New York wants to keep those assets, um, you know, for, for when they do go star hunting. So I think that's a challenge there. Yeah, it'll be uh, an interesting one to to watch, you know, uh, just kind of stepping away from the Raptors a little bit here. Joel Embiid, obviously, we know he had his knee surgery. That doesn't seem to stop the 76ers' pursuit of, uh, you know, adding bodies at the deadline here. Are you surprised that's the tack they take? I mean, I- I'm kind of of the mind that this only should embolden them to push all in. If they think Embiid's going to come back, I don't think there's going to be that many more healthy seasons. You know, not I don't want to pour dirt on the guy, but a big guy, injury history, has another injury. You have to push in when you have a chance like this. Well, what do you make of the Sixers seemingly staying aggressive despite the injury to Embiid? Yeah, I think those are all great points, right? And and they know better than certainly you or I do about the nature of that surgery. Or was it a surgery or was it a procedure? We're not sure. I think it was a <laughs> and surgery. And what's the difference? Uh, yeah, you, uh, you please explain. <laughs> Once you start cutting skin, that's yeah, a surgery. I, I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So uh, so just and and just the what is the timeline there? Um, well, you're right. I mean, nothing is promised. And, and I mean, especially with Joel Embiid, that's probably going to end up being the defining story of his career is, is as good as he was, how good could he have been had he been able to re- really, you know, get through seasons healthy. Um, that just hasn't been the case for a number of, of reasons. But um, if you think he can come back, 
I, if you think he can come back, I think you need to be aggressive. But you got to be measured about it, too, because, you know, if, it, if he's not coming back until, like, the last day of the regular season and the problem with a knee, you know, having a, a knee procedure is, it, you know, his fitness is going to be a real factor. We've seen when he is fit, um, you know, he's obviously devastating. But at times when his fitness is compromised, like he's, you know, he, he, he's always devastating, but he's just less so. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's been a problem in the past. So, um, you know, I, I think, you know, the Sixers in a, are in a tough situation. But I guess what they really need to measure is, you know, what moves – if they are in a position where they could have a lot of cap space next summer and they could go after a major player or two. Um, and, and I guess they have to judge – are they? Is that op- the opportunity cost of, of whatever move they make now, mm. kind of taking them out of that market, and you know, is that worth it? So I think I think you know maybe you look at the free agent market out there; it's really not all that good. Um, could they pull a significant trade and take a major player into into space? Maybe, but if a significant player is available, they probably wouldn't have the draft capital to to win, you know, a bidding war with some of the other teams that have more, more draft assets. So maybe their best play is to, you know, make a trade that really matters. And uh, if the players there available to help them um, come, you know, when Embiid's when back this year and, and maybe they can all come together and, and it'll, they'll look really good for doing it. If not, you've got another player to help when presumably Joel's healthy uh, next season. Yeah, when he was healthy, though, they didn't have any glaring weaknesses. They looked pretty damn good um, as as they were currently constructed with uh, Joel Embiid, uh, Embiid once again playing at an MVP level. Um, the Bucks don't have a ton of draft capital after their trade for Damian Lillard. We see these reports out of L.A. that the Lakers are like, oh, now D'Angelo Russell is good, so like maybe we don't have to do anything. Like, What are you expecting uh, as a, a, a – like, from the NBA at large, right? The teams that matter, no offense, the Raptors, who are also Rans this year and probably next year as How well. How dare you? Um, but You're like right. the, the contenders, like, is it, are you expecting a tepid deadline? Could, could, I mean, and who the hell knows, but like from the people you've talked to, like, do you think there's going to be a lot of movement before three o'clock today? I think there's going to be some. I mean, you know, you take a team like New Orleans that people don't talk about all that much. Um, but they're a really good team, you know, especially when Zion is healthy and, 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 and fit. And they have a really unique combination of, of excellent young players that they could probably get by with, you know, with moving on from if they had to, if there's a good opportunity there. And they have, like, some really good draft assets. And, you know, so there's a team where you're sitting there going, you know, when is when is ours a little bit like Philadelphia, right? Like if, if Zion is you know you know Zion's next season is never promised based on his history, and if he's healthy and he's fit, and um, you know maybe this maybe maybe we need to be more aggressive. So that's a team to watch. I think Utah has probably the most valuable stash of draft assets in the league, and um, you know they can be in on almost any trade, and so you know that's an interesting one to watch. Um, and, but in terms of your top tier contenders, you know, the Clippers aren't going to do much. They can't, the Lakers have very limited flexibility. So I'd almost be surprised. Um, you know, you go through the Eastern conference, you're right. Milwaukee's 
Milwaukee's in a situation where I think their most valuable trade assets is trading rights to draft swaps. Mm. <laughs> so, like, which, you know, if you're, you know, which you never know. I mean, some of those things can work out. But, but the point being, they just don't have any hard assets. And the bigger issue there is they just don't have any, they don't have much depth. Mm-hmm. And so outside of Bobby Portis and Pat Connaughton, who play for them, um, it'd be hard for them to even put a deal together. So, um, yeah, so I don't see much movement there. Boston's done. Um, yeah, so I think in terms of, like, headline-grabbing stuff, mm. probably a little bit tepid, but, you know, there probably could be a lot of moves around the margins, which, guess what? The Raptors have a lot of players that would qualify under that category, so maybe they'll be in the middle of all of it. Yep. Uh, no more picks in the 2024 draft, though, please. That's enough. Um, Michael, uh, safe travels. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. Have a good day, guys. You too. Michael Grange, Sportsnet's own. I Listen, not at this point in my mm, life would okay. I want to be traveling as mm. a media me. member. Oh, really? I th- Man, leave him. I just hate Before planes. having a family. I hate planes. Okay. I've been on many a plane. I know. You're like, you're, you're a pilot. I don't know. Yeah, I do have my private oh, pilot's oh, license. Oh, look uh, at me, but I fly. That's mm. besides the point. I think that's an exciting thing to do, especially when you're a young person. See the world. But yeah, there are moments you hear stories from guys that have been on the beat, like Michael Grange, yeah. and spending 15 hours traveling mm-hmm. multiple airports. Yuck. Th- doesn't seem as fun. Uh, it did seem fun, him throwing down the gauntlet that the Raptors will not make a trade <laughs> until his bird has landed. I want so badly a trade at 2.47 p.m. from the Raptors now, just so I know Grange has that sway. Oh, my like God. Size, like, hold on, hold on, don't. Don't text Woj. Ready? Don't text Woj yet. Grange, I've got the tracker in front of me. They're still taxiing. Mm-hmm. We can't do it to him yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would uh, love that. For don't him. don't talk about trackers. Okay, it's still too oh. too recent. See, it's like I know, but in my mind, there's only one tracker, and it's the Tiger Tracker from Golf Channel way back in the day. Like that's where my mind goes. So like mm-hmm. tracking, not planes. Rest in peace, Tiger Tracker. Yeah, I uh, uh, yeah yeah. I have a story I was gonna tell. It's not that good, so I'll just. I'll okay. just, just quit thank you for saving yeah, us I know, that was good no good job appreciate I mean. it <laughs> i'll tell you in the break lucky you no yeah, you don't have it. to yeah you're getting it. if it's not good enough for air it's not good enough for like it's not concise enough. it's not concise enough for mm. air okay all right time now for the wake and rake presented by sports interaction your homegrown sports book bet local i won't be here for tomorrow's show last one before the super bowl so here's what we're gonna do right now because you're because you're gonna be a million uh yeah I, uh, I'm going to talk about the Super Bowl odds right now. Give it to me. Okay. Kansas City Chiefs in Las Vegas, where there's apparently a lot of Niners fans. really does feel like it's, it, it's closer to a Niners home game than a Chiefs Tracks. home Geography game. Wise? Yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. In Las Vegas, certainly, uh, you know, if you're a Raiders fan, you're no fan of the Chiefs. That's nope. for sure. Uh, Chiefs are two-point underdogs. So Niners minus two. Moneyline has the Niners minus 130, the Chiefs plus 110, the total 47 and a half, Brent. There's two things I like. I can't, I like, I don't like it, but it's Chiefs money line. You get them at a plus number. It's Pat Mahomes in the Super Bowl until proven otherwise. When Tom Brady's not there, these things generally go his way. I also like the under 47 and a half. Like, I know we think shootout Pat Mahomes. No, that's not why they're there. Like, he is, I'm not taking away anything from him. The Chiefs are there just as much, if not more, because of their defense than their offense. We know what that 49ers unit is capable of on the other side of the game. And they'll be they'll be 
totally fine playing a controlled game as opposed to a shootout against Patrick Mahomes. So give me the under as well. Yeah. Uh, I agree, and, and the Niners perfectly fine defensively, although for, for, what, two quarters against the Lions, they mm-hmm. didn't look that way. Nope. Um, by the way, Brock Purdy, probably in your best interest to not have to come back the way you have had to the last couple of postseason games yeah, against the Packers. Don't do that. And the Lions, that's probably, will one, not happening, happening against this Chiefs secondary, and two, not happening against Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, this is insane that Patrick Mahomes goes into a Super Bowl as an underdog. What are we? What are we doing here? Like, what? What else do you need to see? They just beat the the best team in the AFC on the road. Okay, a team that beat this 49ers. What are we doing here? This line is insane. It truly is insane. Now it's not a huge line. Like mm-hmm. they're, they're not massive underdogs, but that you get the Chiefs on plus money is mind bending to me. I do think that the better value is probably in Patrick Mahomes as the Super Bowl MVP at, at plus 135. Yeah. We were just talking in in the break about how the Super Bowl MVP actually has a fan vote component to 20% it, of it. Which, yeah, Travis Kelsey at plus 1,300 is interesting. But, like, even... So what does Travis Kelsey have to do where, you know, it's still not Patrick pro, Mahomes? Pro like the old, like, yeah. uh, the Heinz Ward play, which, hey, like, it's the Super Bowl. Teams mm-hmm. bust out these trick plays all the time. I think for value, that's where you get it. If it's a 49er you like, I think you stay away from Purdy because I just think one of those skill guys is going to have the play that mm-hmm. is seen to kind of bust the game wide open. And sorry, Brock Purdy. I know we've been mean to you, but I think it's like you got, you're going to, you would have to be so transcended to win that award with all the other guys on the team there. Yeah. Take one of the skill guys on San Fran if you like him. I, I don't. Agree. Just to be clear. No, I'm, I'm glad that you're. You're on the right side of history. What do you mean? I bet the Chiefs before the playoffs started. I've been on the right side of history. My wallet's going to be laughing on Mm. Monday. All right. Good for you. In your face. (laughs) That was the Wake and Rake presented by Sports Interaction. Your homegrown sports book, Bet Local. Not in my face. I've been very consistent when it comes to the Kansas City Chiefs. And I also largely... I guess in my own face. Yeah, laugh in your own face. Uh, I, I, um, I largely think that the Brock... Purdy discourse is stupid, and I think it's over. Like, Brock Purdy's fine. Yeah. Like, he's he's got them to a Super Bowl, and say what you will about the system that he's had to operate in. I think the last two weeks, well, you know, especially in the Green Bay game, a lot of the reason they were down is on him in mm-hmm. inclement weather, but whatever. He came back from down 10 points, the second half of that football game, came back against a, a Lions team mm, that, yeah, put them in a hole early as well. I do think that from a larger NFL conversation perspective, it, the, the referendum on Brock Purdy could still be on. And I, because I think the possibility exists with that chief secondary is throwing some balls up for grabs and they're turning the ball over. It's possible. I think that if that's the case, it'll be the chief secondary performing well. Like I, I, this isn't so much me being a super big believer in Purdy, but I just mm. don't think Kyle Shanahan mm. is going to put him in those spots. It's mm. like that's why he wants him there is to just tell him what to do and him do the thing. So not to say Purdy can't take some shots. He's done it at times, but I think you're just going to see a pretty conservative game plan. That's why I like the under as well. All right. When we come back. Back into the Toronto Maple Leafs, who win yet again against the Dallas Stars. Um, We'll talk about some of the weirdest Leafs season stats this season. And uh, we'll talk to our pal Luke Gazdick, former NHL forward, Sportsnet NHL analyst next. As the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590 The Fan.